This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Is there a chance for us? Is there a chance for us? Uh, I don't know any marriage that's been, any relationship that's been very long that doesn't come to that point, whether they are honest with each other or not, that thought is, is this going to work? Is, is this going to make it? Is there a chance for us? And we're going to look at that. Uh, again, I'm going to, uh, what she, William Shakespeare said there in, in the play Henry V, uh, I thought it was a great quote. God, the best maker of all marriages, combine your hearts as one. That's really what we're going to be after in this series over the next week. Now, I'm, my intent over the next eight weeks, and I really encourage you to be in every one of these. Um, I've never taught a series like this. Denise and I have taught on marriage through the years, but never like this as we're going to this time. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be light, it's going to be enjoyable, but it's also going to be heavy duty at times. And we're going to deal with real things, all right, that everybody deals with. I'm going to speak very frank. I'm going to speak very candidly. And I'm going to speak from, I'm going to draw from three sources. I want you to know that. Uh, one is 46, this August will be 47 years of marriage to the love of my life. My. Denise was four and I was 20 when we got married. <laughs> uh, we were young kids and we got married and we've spent almost 47 years. We dated for two years, so we've been together 48, 49 years, almost 50 years of our life. The majority of our adult life, we have grown up together. Um, and, uh, but I want to draw from that. I'm going to draw from the good. I'm going to draw from the bad. I'm going to draw from things we've learned. I'm going to draw from failures and mistakes we've made, wrong choices, because all of those things can come together to help us. All right? Because here's what I found. There's nothing new under the sun. You may think you're the only one dealing with what you're dealing with. I can promise you this. You absolutely are not. Someone has already been there, and I'll guarantee you a whole lot of people have been there. And really, the, the people that have been there and worked through it can really be a great help. To the other source I'm going to draw from is very practical, professional uh, uh, materials that are out there available to any of us that do absolutely offer good solutions. Now, some of you may say, well, what if they're not a Christian uh, group or a Christian person? You know what? Long time ago, an old, old minister told me this. He said, learn to chew the meat and spit out the bones. You know, you can always get wisdom from a lot of different things, you know. Uh, and, you know, when the Bible says you don't walk according to the counsel of wicked people, it means that you don't build your life and the whole pattern your life after them, but you sure can learn some things. You know, if I was failing in business and a man that didn't believe in God was succeeding in business, I would ask him for wisdom. And I don't have to take his beliefs and deny God to accept some principles that he would teach me. All right? And so I'm going to draw from that. 
But also, thirdly, and not last or least, I'm going to draw from the Bible. And I want you to know up front, this whole series is really based out of the Bible. Because why? Because the Bible offers not philosophical, not theoretical, not fantasy world answers. It deals with real issues and I so appreciate it because God is very honest in there. He exposes the failures, the wrong choices, and the mistakes of his people as well as he shows the right answers. And so we're going to build from there. And uh, our intent is to lay out biblical truths regarding marriage upon which each and every one of us can, if we choose to do this, build a happy and healthy relationship. And I want to say this to all of you. Uh, we're going to teach on marriage. But what is marriage? It is a relationship. And so what we're going to teach on, this does not, it's not held within a box. Just like your life is not within a box, is it? Your life has many different facets, doesn't it? Uh, you know, you're, just look at, uh, I mean, me. I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a man, I'm a friend, I have a, a, I'm a brother to a physical brother, uh, I'm a grandfather. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's no way I can put a, something, a box in my life and just compartmentalize that because my life is too multifaceted. And any part of my life affects every part of my life. You with me? And so when we talk about marriage, you may be single. I know like these young ladies here from Wellspring, you're single. But I want to tell you what, what you're going to learn in these, this marriage series, it's going to help you in understanding relationships. It's going to help you in your relationship with yourself, with God, with other people. Also, it's going to help you to understand what you need to be looking for in a mate. And then it's going to help you to understand, once you have that, how to build properly. Uh, <clears throat> it's amazing, you know, we, we have to go apply and take a test and do all this to get a driver's license, and I'm glad we do. Uh, but we don't for marriage, isn't it? You don't have to do that to become a husband, a wife, a parent. Isn't that amazing? And yes, you know, a lot of people are killed in car accidents, but how many are injured? How many are injured every day because of marriage? Because of wrong understanding, wrong choices, wrong concepts. How many lives are injured because of that? So we want to help. Now... <clears throat> Over the past 50 years, and they, I could literally, uh, and I had literally as I've been studying, preparing for this series for some time now, I gathered, I mean, I've gathered a ton of data. And as you begin to read the data about the statistics of what is happening, and especially I took a period of 50 years and just pulled that out to see, okay, what kind of patterns and uh, trends do you see 
in that 50-year period, now 50 years ago. It is amazing. Now, if you go back 100 years, it even gets much greater. But in the last 50 years, the trends, what do we mean by trends? And these are not, you know, some off-the-wall, some little segment of society stuck over somewhere that is totally different. I'm talking about a cross-section of American society. And we are dealing in this, I've drawn data from America, from America only. I'm not talking about Europe or any other nations, but I guarantee there's same problems elsewhere, but right here in our own country because you and I live here. But the amazing changes that have taken place in America regarding marriage and family. When you talk to, you go back 50 years and you read the thoughts, the interviews, the comments that people would make 50 years ago about what is marriage? What does it mean when a, husband, a man and a woman become one? Uh, what is family? How do you define family? The definition, just them saying, this is what it means. From there to now, in 50 years, you would think, evidently, one of them lives on a different planet. Because there is not even a, it wasn't even a hint. It was not like it changed a little bit, or like it was just colored a little bit. It changed completely. So drastically that the two, when you take what marriage was defined as in the 1960s and what is defined as today, it is two completely different entities. It's as if you took a manufacturing plant in the 1960s and you interviewed it and you went and uh, uh, you know went through all what they were doing. And you would say, okay, this factory produces this. And you visit that same factory now. You would say, oh, well, it's the same building, but it's a completely different factory. You produce a completely different product. One was producing cars, and this one is producing refrigerators. They're not even related. And that's the difference of what has happened. It, they didn't, it didn't change all of a sudden. It began to change. And, and a major input was when uh, my generation in the 60s, and, and we wanted to be free from confines, free from rules, and all of that, you know. And I was playing rock music back then, and we were smoking dope and doing all of that kind of stuff and popping LSD and everything. And so we were free. But we introduced a whole lot of changes, but those changes didn't take place suddenly, but they were seed sown that over time have totally changed American society. And especially, and I'm not just saying we did it, but a drastic change happened where the, the definition of family and the definition of marriage are not even close to what they used to be. Now, you uh, all of the marriage indicators, the leading marriage indicators, and when we talk marriage indicators, we're talking about those things that it takes in a relationship to create a healthy, happy environment to where that both entities can blossom, reach their full potential, and grow together in, harmonious, in a harmonious relationship. Uh, the divorce rate has skyrocketed. Uh, 
and to where that today there is literally an all-out assault against marriage and the family in our nation. Now, uh, and I challenge any of you to go search out statistics. Look, if you're that kind of person who likes to dig in statistics, you start searching it out. And you'll find, I'm going to tell you what, you've got, you got to be ready because it can almost get depressing. It almost can. And you can get, if you're not careful, because as I really began to do this, I had to go back, to keep going back to the Bible and also remind myself, hey, I've lived with the same woman. We've been married almost 47 years, so it can work. But when you look at the statistics, you almost think, what hope is there? What hope is there? And you, I mean, you really start getting a picture of this cataclysmic uh, 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 society like in, you know, uh, the end of days type things in movies where everything is destroyed and, and uh, you know, and all the buildings are destroyed and everybody, you know, is fighting to survive and, and you got all that, you know, the, the, the future kind of movie stuff. That's really, as you look at statistics and you see what across the board psychologists and, and psychiatrists and uh, sociologists and others are saying, is that you almost begin to think, well, hey, maybe it is true. And here's what they're saying. Marriage is, oh, it has seen its day. And most are saying the day will come when marriage will not be a part of American society and the family will not be a part of American society. That scares me. Why does that matter? Because for this one reason, marriage and family is not the creation of man. Now, if you study academia, I'm not saying across the board, but it is a common thought. It is a common argument within academic circles. And I have a doctor's degree. I pursued academics. I did. I was taught by my father and my mother, especially my dad, though, you must have an education. So I pursued that. So I'm not against education. I think it's, you know, all it did was give me tools. didn't make me a success. It's just like having a hammer. You can have a hammer and never use it. Uh, you know, it's what you do with it that matters. So I'm not again against academics, but uh, much of uh, academics today would say that marriage is it, it's old hat. It's not has lost its place. And they say actually, marriage was created around money. Uh, back when for property and, the, and to be able to hold on to possessions from families and all of that, that was the only reason for marriage. But that's not true because when you study historically in marriage, there is no society, now listen very carefully, there has never been a society or culture in America recorded historically that has not had marriage and family at the heart of it. Now, and marriage was, it was, uh, and it was within their culture, within their culture, don't try to compare it to our culture, but always it was there. Now, why is marriage so important? Because marriage was not, as we are told, instituted by man for man's purpose. 
Marriage was created by God. It's interesting that the Bible begins and ends with a marriage. Have you ever thought of that? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis, Jesus Christ and his church in the end of the book of Revelation. There are three institutions given by God to society. They are the home, the church, and the state. Those three institutions God gave to society. The state is not the enemy of God. Now it can be if politicians and that society wants it to be, but it, it was not it doesn't have to be. Those three things were created by God for society, for men to function in society in groups, to, so that men could function together on earth. Because God knew relationships, for people to live in relationships, there has to be some structure, there has to be some rules, there has to be something that guides. All right? Each of these entities, institutions, is very important to God, but it's very important to society. And if anyone is taken apart, or if anyone is removed the fabric of that society will literally begin to disintegrate because it, each of those are the very thread that holds a society together. Now I want to tell you up front what you can expect from this series. As I've said earlier, uh, this series, in this series we're going to deal with good marriages we're gonna, or it's going to be for good marriages I can tell you right now, um, as I've been preparing for this, and I, I know I have a good marriage. I mean, I don't think I do. I absolutely know I do. But I can honestly say it is just preparing for this series has forced me or caused me. I have literally fallen on my knees time and time again and said, oh, God, help me. I see where I'm failing there. I see where I'm missing it here. Not condemning, but all of a sudden my eyes being open. And I have a good marriage, but baby, I promise you, I'm going to put into practice what we're talking about and be better. <clears throat> so it's for good marriages. Also, this series is going to be for bad marriages. It's going to help those that have bad marriages. For the divorced. If you're divorced, you need to be here. Don't run from this and say, I don't want to hear about marriage. You really need to be here because we're going to help you. We're going to help you. Because I'll, well, perhaps you'll find some of the things, why did that happen? Now I see. And to help you. And also for singles, because I really want to help you to, to discover the fullness of what God has for you. So for the next eight weeks, Denise and I will be teaching on some of these things, the mystery of marriage. Is there a secret to a good marriage? We will put into your hands, uh, well, I'm sorry, I skipped a page. Uh, the source of all marriage, now I'm taking you through the eight weeks. The source of all marriage and relationship problems. You don't want to miss that. The core principle that a strong marriage must be built upon. The key to longevity in marriage. 
the three basic skill sets every couple must have to build a good marriage. I mean, that, this, that's powerful right there, what we're going to teach you. The issue, and this is too, the issue that first attracts us, but then begins to work to separate us. And if we don't understand it, we get attracted, and then all of a sudden, the very thing that attracted us is the thing that we resent and begins to repel us. And if we don't wake up to it, it will divide us. And we'll do one of two things. We'll be two people living in the same house with the same last name, but we're not one, or we'll go ahead and get a divorce. Uh, We're going to deal with living single and being completely fulfilled. We're going to deal with finding the right mate. And then we're also going to deal with what? We're going to deal with everybody together. Sex. Sex. Or as my mother-in-law would say, S-E-X. She would never say it. She would spell it. Denise and I want to put into your hands the ingredients that will enable you to create a happy, healthy, lasting marriage. So, I guess it's time we get started, don't you? Ephesians, but I just wanted to seed you with where we're going and how we're going to help you. In Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says this, Ephesians 5, 31. As the scripture says, uh, guys, we're doing the NLT, New Living Translation. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Let me read again. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So we're asking the question today, is there a chance for us? Is there a chance for us? And that's a question that is true for whether we've got a good marriage, bad, whatever the case may be. Because there is so much opportunity. Marriage is like walking through a minefield. There's so many opportunities for something to blow this thing up. And it's all out there. And there are forces behind the scenes that really work to try to make it blow up. Many times people ask me the question, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, some guy corner me and say, all right, what's the secret? I'll say, what are you talking about? And 
usually I know where they're going because I've been asked so many times. They'll say, well, you know, you know. And I'll say, what? To how good looking I am? <laughs> I'll say, what do you mean? And they'll say, well, you know, you and Denise. You know, I'll say, are you talking about marriage? Yeah. And I'll say, well, there really isn't a secret. There is truth in the Bible, though. Paul says regarding marriage, why would guys ask me that question? Why would they ask that question? Because Paul says here that marriage is a mystery. He calls it a mystery. Now, if God says it's a mystery how this thing works, how in the world do you think we can do it without getting some information? Is it any wonder that almost 50% of those that say I do don't? Today, that's really almost 50%, right at 50%. And that doesn't matter whether you're in the church or outside the church. It's still about the same. Why is it that way? Because a good marriage, the key to a good marriage, is there a chance for us? That's a mystery. It's a good question. And the smartest thing you can do, no matter where your marriage is, is to say, is there a chance for us? Is there a chance something could go wrong? Is there a chance we can make it? You know, uh, I've done businesses and... Boy, in businesses, if you don't, in business, if you don't plan for what could be and make some plans and, you know, you, you run some, uh, you, uh, you run some, uh, your, uh, you know, you do it, your what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, and you're going down and you understand the pitfalls, the uh, end results that could take place that could destroy your business, if you don't do that, you're going to end up bankrupt. You're going to end up losing your business. Because, you know, you can have a great idea, but you know what? When you put it on out there, when you, a great idea is like a marriage. You put it into the water and you launch that ship. Man, I'm going to tell you what, it goes from a safe harbor to a stormy ocean. And it's, a, it's like the storm on Saturn, you know, the red the red spot on Saturn is a storm that's been there, they believe, since the 1600s. It's a continual storm. And you know, in the life where there's marriage, there's continual storm going on out there that marriages go in and out of, just like a business. And we've got to understand how we do this. How do we navigate the waters? How do we make sure that when those storms come, we can safely sail through and survive it and get to the other side. Uh, <clears throat> most of us enter marriage in a very naive fashion. Denise and I completely did. She and I, I was 20 and she was 16. We're from the South. <clears throat> in 1967, August the 4th, 1967. We stood before, at an altar before a Methodist minister and said, I do. And we did not have a clue what I do meant. Not one clue. Can I get real? You know what I was thinking about? Honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> 
that preacher was talking, I want him to shut up. Come on, come on, come on. Let me say, I do. All right. Then I kiss her and I say, okay, now we're ready. And they say, you got to go to a reception. I said, okay, hi. I want to get in that car and go. And I, listen, we were supposed to go to one city uh, and spend the night. And I had reservations there in this real nice place. Honey, I didn't make it. I found the first holiday inn I could on the side of the road. I did. Come on, help me out, guys. Y'all are acting so holy. Y'all got kids. I know y'all understand something. Listen, God didn't make having kids. I'm telling you what, to create them, that's all right. The having them is a different thing, but boy, the creating part is fun. Anybody with me? I love that. Give God a hand for that. Man, I tell you what, it's like the man said, if God had found anything, if it was anything better, he kept it for himself. <laughs> Come on. All right. Honestly, that's what I was thinking about. I was in love with her. She had long, dark hair down to her hips. She weighed 116 pounds, five, seven. She was a knockout. I was going up there, standing, and going. Look at, the pastor's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're supposed to say, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm with you, dude, whatever. <laughs> I mean, put the ring on, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was ready. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so we had a great time. I mean, a wonderful time. But did we know about marriage? Not a single clue. I grew up in a uh, two-parent home. I had a mom and a dad in my house. My daddy was ex-military. He had been an officer in World War II and uh, <clears throat> in the Corps of Engineers and the Pacific Theater. And uh, my mother had was she was a beautiful, beautiful uh, lady from young girl in Hot Springs, Arkansas, that she and they owned a dress shop, she and two friends of hers, and she uh, was uh, a lot like my daughter Denise. And uh, <clears throat> my dad fell in love with her, they got married and raised us kids. And we had a two family home. My dad made good money, we had a good life. Everything was very comfortable. And uh, Denise, on the other hand, I dated Denise. They had cardboard. I hope I'm not offending, but they had cardboard in the windows. They had a little TV, and they had, I wanted to change the station, and I said, how do you change the channel? And they said, you use the TV fork. I said, what? They said, you use the TV fork, and Denise got it. And they had bent the prongs on the fork so it would fit in there and change the channel because the television was broke, you know, and that's the only way you could change the channel. Cardboard in the windows. She got a pair of shoes, a dress, and a couple of blouses that wore all year long to school. She had never had anything. It was a single parent, her mother raising five kids when women could work all day long and not get a fraction of what a man got for working part of a day. 
Uh, I mean, they could work all week and not make what a man makes in a day. And so I'd go over to her house and there wouldn't be any water. I would go over there, wouldn't be any electricity. I'd go over there and, and uh, you know, they, uh, it, things would be turned off and her mother would be crying because she didn't have money. Every night they ate eggs. Every single night they ate eggs. When I first started dating her, she said, you want to eat dinner? And I said, sure. They had breakfast. I thought, well, that's cool. I like breakfast. So the next night I went over and she said, you want to eat dinner? I said, sure. They had breakfast. I said, oh, okay. Really into this thing. Third night, I go over there. She said, you want to eat dinner? Because we were going out that night. And I said, sure. Guess what? What? Breakfast. Come on, get with me. Are you in with me in this? They had breakfast. And so we went out and I said, Denise, I like breakfast, I think as much as anybody, probably not as much as y'all, but I do like breakfast. But I said, I've never made it, met any family has breakfast every night for dinner. She said, Steve, it's all mom can afford to buy. And I said, oh, I didn't realize it. I thought when we got married that marriage was kind of like getting on an airplane and flying to another city, another state, another country. You know, you got your ticket, your marriage certificate. I do. You come in, you sit down on the plane, take your seat because you got your ticket and you're there. See, I had my ticket. I'm married to her. Okay. I sit down in my seat. The plane takes off and the plane takes me where I'm to go. I thought that's the way marriage is. That marriage was kind of like you get on the plane and the plane is the marriage. And the pilot is love. And because we loved each other. The honeymoon night. The, all the loving. We loved each other. Because for me, a man, a lot of the love was physical. And so I loved her. And I thought, hey, this is cool. We're going to be fine. That's all I knew about it. Denise, on the other hand, she had come from a broken home, horrible life. Uh, you know, I mean, I, when I say horrible, having a lot of, did not have a lot of things and lived without and a lot of hurts and everything. But she had a family that, I mean, her mother that loved her. She had a good mother. But Denise knew when we got married that what do marriages do? They break up. And so she knew one day we would divorce because that's what marriages do. And one day I would do what her dad did. I would run off with another woman or I would just run off and this whole thing would fall apart. So that was the framework that Denise and I were beginning with. We did not have any understanding about marriage. And the two of us really were hoping that love would be enough. And we did love each other very much. And we were hoping, okay, that's going to be enough. But it didn't take very long for both of us. Now, me, honestly, it took a lot longer. We finally came to the place where it dawned on us we were missing two key ingredients. Two key ingredients. The first one, God. We needed God to come in and be the glue, the, the marriage counselor, the referee, 
the one that helped hold us together. Secondly, we needed some knowledge, some information on really how marriage is to work. Legal scholar John Witt Jr. writes this. In America today, there are two opposing views of marriage. The historic view, listen very carefully. The historic view of marriage is a framework for lifelong devotion and love between a man and a woman. A relationship where each subordinates individual impulses and desires in favor of the relationship. I want to read that again. A lifelong devotion and love between a man and a woman. A relationship where each subordinates individual impulses and desires in favor of the relationship. Marriage was to cause maturity in each partner and create character within the framework of a binding relationship. In other words, marriage was about us and who we become together because of the relationship. However, he writes, now a very different view of America has taken root and is the leading concept in America today. Are you listening? Here's where we are today. Here's the society we're living in. Instead of being a relationship characterized by self-denial in order to faithfully fulfill the marriage covenant, the purpose of marriage is now defined as providing emotional and sexual fulfillment and self-actualization for the individual. In other words, marriage has moved from being about us to being about me. Marriage now is responsible to make me happy and fulfilled. If it does not fulfill me and make me happy, it has failed. My partner has failed in the marriage covenant and I have every right to be out of this. Well, someone could ask, but what about me? What about me? Am I supposed to get lost in this? Well, I'm glad you asked that. When God created marriage, God knew what he was doing. God created marriage, listen very carefully, as a greenhouse to grow the best you. I'll say that again. God created marriage as a greenhouse to grow the very best you. Marriage forces you and I to grow into our best selves. With its good and tough times, it molds and shapes us into something far beyond anything we would ever become all by ourselves. It forces me, if you're going to stay married, it forces you to deny yourself for the good of the marriage. Denying yourself is a key to maturity. A person that never learns to deny themselves is an immature person and never grows up. Now let me say this. Not everyone, according to the Bible, not everyone is to be married. The Bible says, and it's very plain, some are to remain single. And God has planned that they will arrive at the same place of maturity, both personal maturity, Christian maturity. They will arrive at the, in social maturity, 
they will arrive at the same place as you and I will. Without, they will do it without marriage. God has their plan, a plan for them. They will just do it in their obedience and relationship and walk with him. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, marriage is God's greenhouse for growing up. Today there is a wrong image of marriage. Now let's look at this. If marriage is about self-fulfillment, if marriage is about making me happier, if the criteria for a good marriage is does it fulfill me? Does it cause me to reach my best? Is it making me happy? If marriage is about self-fulfillment, then that becomes our criteria, our indicator for what a good marriage is. My marriage then is good to the degree that it fulfills my wants and my needs. Now what's going to follow from that logic, from that reasoning? If I reason that, if that's, I believe that, then logically what follows from that If I was married to the right person, you see what I'm saying? If marriage, if the, if marriage is, if the purpose of marriage is to fulfill me, not us, me. If the purpose of marriage is to help me self-actualize, self-actualization means I become all I can be. All my dreams, all my desires, everything I want to be, marriage helps me to get there. If marriage is about that, If that is what marriage is, then how I know if I have a good marriage is if that is what it's doing for me. And if it isn't doing that for me, the reason it's not is because of who I'm married to. Because I know it's supposed to do for me, and that means who I'm married to is supposed to be serving me to help me get there. Are you with me? So... If I was married to the right person, then I would have a happy marriage. We are deceived, hang with me here, we are deceived into believing that the right person will cause us to have the right marriage and make us happy. That leads us to the perfect soulmate. I have found my soulmate. Oh, it's on Facebook. I found him. I found her. My soulmate. Tom Cruise in Jerry Maguire opens a door and a scene near the end of the movie. There's a group of women sitting in there bemoaning their relationship issues and problems and each one crying and talking about how they've been hurt. And his wife that they are estranged now and separated is in the group and he comes in And he feels uncomfortable in this room of women. And he says, I'm looking for my wife. And Renee Zellweger stands up and he looks at her and he's trying to say all these things. And finally he says this, the line that causes every woman to say, oh, he says, you complete me. Boy, that's a line, isn't it? What a powerful, that's as good as Jack Nicholson's line and as good as it gets when he says, you make me want to be a better man. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you what, those are good lines, great lines. 
you complete me. Man, that's the stuff that romantic novels are made of. The problem, my friend, is this, that it is not reality. It is not reality. Now listen very carefully to me. No other person on planet Earth has the ability nor the responsibility to complete you. God reserved that for his relationship with you alone. You will either find completeness in yourself or you will be an incomplete person going around searching for completeness. And you're going to be very unfulfilled in relationships because there is no other person. I can't complete her. I can't complete her. I, you know what? I'm not a perfect soulmate. I am becoming her soulmate. We are walking together and becoming a perfect soulmate for each other. But surely there is a perfect person out there for me. Someone that will fulfill all of my needs. You'll never find that in another individual. You've got to discover it in yourself. Find it in yourself. Dig down and find, I like who I am. When I dated Denise, now I was in college at the University of Alabama, and she was in high school. Now, I'm dating girls, I'm a freshman dating juniors. And I come home and I date this young girl, and she was more mature than they were. You know why? Because these college girls were still trying to find themselves. But Denise, all of a sudden I met a girl that she is complete in who she is. She was complete in herself, and it attracted me to her. Listen to this. Marriage is finding someone that wants to go together with you in this journey called life to discover all we can become together. Listen to this next statement. Marriage is two incompatible people joining their lives to such a degree that through time they become one. You always marry the wrong person. Absolutely. You marry the wrong person, but by working through things together, you become the right people. That is why couples that are having tough times that decide to work through their problems and both of them choose to make whatever changes they must make, they, in almost 100% of the cases, wind up staying together for the rest of their lives and having a good marriage. Yet they were on the verge of divorce or already were divorced or were talking about it. But because when they do, it says, statistics say, when they choose to do this and say, we're going to both change to do whatever, they come to, they work it out. All right, let's wrap this up. Is there a chance for us? Paul said, it's a mystery. A mystery. God, Paul says God's purpose in marriage is, it's a mystery. Then he says, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and his church. The mystery, the secret, listen to me real carefully, please. The secret to a happy, healthy, good marriage is understood 
in Jesus Christ and his church. In verse 25, Paul says to husbands, now listen, guys, very carefully, every man, whether you're a husband or not, listen to me. Here's Paul's explaining. Here he opens up the key, the secret to the mystery is this. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved his church and gave himself for her. Hear me. God declares to every husband in very dramatic and visual form at the cross exactly how they are to love their wife. If we had time and if we had planned this, I would have loved, I just, you know, I thought about it, but I knew we couldn't fit it in. But I would have loved to have had, all of a sudden the house lights go down and that scene with Mel Gibson in, in, in uh, about the, Jesus Christ when he died, of him on the cross in the agony. And I would point to that to every guy and say, okay, that is what we're supposed to do. You say, die? Yes, die to yourself. Lay down your life for her. Lay down your life for her. Hear me. Paul says, I'm going to open up the mystery to you. I'm going to give you God's purpose. And if you'll discover God's purpose, suddenly you'll find what God means in marriage. And you'll discover the Garden of Eden he created for you to live in on planet earth before you get to heaven. And that can be your marriage. And he said it begins with this. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Lay down your life for her. Listen to what Jesus did. Jesus let them beat him. He suffered. He was humiliated. He gave himself up for his bride. He gave up everything he had. He gave up his bass boat, his golf game, his softball uh, uh, club team. He gave it all up for her. He was equal with God, but he made himself a servant so his bride might be saved. To Jesus, no price was too high. He did not do one thing for himself. He did it all for her. Why? Because gaining us, having us, having us as his bride was more important than life itself. Where are those husbands? You see why I've fallen on my knees last night as I was praying over this service. I went outside and I said, dear Jesus, I have failed in so many ways as a husband. I haven't done this the way I should. I've tried to be a good husband, but have I done what Jesus did? I haven't. And we've been married almost 47 years. But I cried out and I said, Jesus, help me because I want to be that way. I want at the end of my life for Denise to look at me and think, you live for me just as Jesus did for me. Now you say, boy, that's really kind of one-way street, didn't it? Giving up everything. Throwing your life away. Jesus is the example to every husband. But you know what? There's a response that completely follows that. Whenever a husband, listen to me, husbands, 
You say, but what about me? What about me? I'm talking about you. You see, what you hold on to, you lose. What you give away, you keep. Let me say that again. What you hold on for yourself, you guarantee to lose it. It will be taken from you. But what you're willing to give up, if you're willing to give up your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, your plans, your hobbies, your desires, yourself, if you'll give it up, God says, you get it. You get to hold on to it. It's yours and it will never be lost. Here's what happens. When we do what Jesus did, when every husband does what Jesus did, then you know what the wife does? The same thing I did at 24 years of age in June of 1971. I fell across an altar and I said, dear Jesus, I give you my life. Be Lord of my life. Take off. When I heard the gospel for the first time, heard the gospel of what Jesus did at the cross for me, I came. I knew I was a sinner, but I said, Jesus, take over my life. I give you my life. And you know what? When a husband does that, every bride all of a sudden says, you are my everything. So that's our beginning point. That's our beginning point. Paul says this, and I close. The gospel is unveiled in marriage. And marriage is unveiled in the gospel. What do you mean? What do you mean? The gospel is seen in the marriage covenant, in the marriage relationship. A man, a husband, laying his life down continually for his bride. The bride, in response, giving everything to her man. And together, both of them become greater and better than they would have ever been alone. Here's the message of the gospel. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we could ever know. Yet, at this very same time, we are more loved, accepted, and forgiven in Jesus Christ than we could ever hope. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.